Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Things with China just got interesting. And the trip from Anthony Blinken postponed. He's the Secretary of State. He was going to go meet with Chinese officials. Well, that's not going to be the case. It's a spy balloon, people. I know. Spy balloon. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Stephen Yates of the America First Policy Institute. He's their senior fellow on uh, China policy initiatives. Uh, We spoke a little bit earlier about what's going on and responses to this. And is this move about Blinken about the idea of looking weak in response to it? So it's this giant balloon and it's flying over Montana. Now, uh, did, did it get launched from Montana? I mean, I have a series of questions, neither here uh, nor, nor there. But it's hanging out over Maelstrom Air Force Base. It's not taking a look at the scenery. Maelstrom Air Force Base is home to three nuclear silos. This is a thing. And, of course, the possibility that there's another balloon over Canada. So Blinken has postponed the trip. But there's a real question as to how you respond to these things, how you handle uh, these things. And that's what I got into with Stephen Yates of the America First Policy Institute. I'll share that with you uh, coming up in a a little bit. Uh, The big story, because a lot of this is still happening, coming, I really want to get into it. There is still fallout to the removal of Representative Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. And the fallout is, well, in a lot of ways, completely and totally irrational. She was removed from one committee because of her own actions, her actions being anti-Semitism. If you ask me if I think that Representative Ilhan Omar is a bigot, the answer is yes. I think she's a bigot. And I think she is somebody incapable of dealing with the fact that she's being called out for it. Over there on CNN, Representative Maliotakis, Nicole Maliotakis, Republican out of New York, she was chairing uh, the, the back and forth, the conversation while it happened. And this is the question that she's getting from CNN. With Representative Omar off the... I get that a little too late. Let's try that again, Tony. You have said, quote, America is safer with Representative Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee. Can you help our viewers understand why you think that is? Well, I thought she held very uh, dangerous views, which she shared on this committee. Uh, First and foremost, uh, I sat on this committee when uh, Ilan Omar compared Israel and the United States to Hamas and the Taliban, somebody who can't differentiate between terrorist organizations and the United States of America and our great ally Israel is a problem on that committee. Now, some other people may disagree. I'm not one of those people. 
I'm one of those people who says clearly this is somebody who has an issue. And if we're talking about how we deal with other nations, if we're talking about our own uh, national defense, is this somebody who can really consider America's best interests? It's a legit question to be asked. There's a difference between disagreeing with policies and disagreeing with the nation being able to exist. Those are different things. Continuing. Uh, I also sat on this committee when she was saying that Venezuela and the turmoil in Venezuela was because of the United States of America instead of rightfully putting the blame on the socialism and communism of Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro. So now we have two examples put forth by Representative Maliatakis about her view of a situation where it's, well, it's America's fault. It's always America's fault. There is a difference between saying we have handled something wrong and saying, well, we're the bad guy. In relationship to Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro, the United States is not the bad guy. The United States did not create the communism, (laughs) socialism, however you want to describe it, of Venezuela, we didn't turn them in from a from a radically prosperous nation to a nation where they eat pigeons. No, no, no. They fight over who gets to eat the pigeon. We didn't do that. They did. One of the great lines from uh, President Trump's presidency is his talk in front of the United Nations, where he's talking about Venezuela, and. Um, He states that the problem in Venezuela uh, is not that uh, socialism was implemented poorly, but rather that it's been implemented faithfully. It was an incredibly good line. And the reaction from those in attendance was this halting kind of laughter. Kylan, somewhere in in, in our files... I have Trump and Venezuela and socialism faithfully. Somewhere I have that audio if you want to go searching for it. The the crowd, which is, you know, representatives of all these other nations, they don't they 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 kind of want to laugh. They kind of can't believe he didn't say it. It's so on the mark. I mean, it was it was really incredible. They they're not sure how to react. And then there's like a little bit of applause and you don't understand how strong the line is. It's unbelievable. If you find it, let me know. So don't blame the United States for Venezuela's failings. If you want to discuss, hey, we should change this policy towards Venezuela, we'll discuss why. We should change this policy towards Israel. Discuss why. I disagree with this policy. Discuss why. But that's not what happens. What happens is people like Representative Omar and Representative Rashida Tlaib of, of, of Michigan engage the idea of Israel's apartheid state. What are you talking about? Anybody who has lived there, anybody who lives there, anybody who has looked there knows that this isn't the case. If you compare Israel to Hamas, a terrorist organization, you're speaking 
in 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 massive terms about what it is you believe. And to Molly Otakis's credit, she kept at it on CNN. Another very dangerous viewpoint that, you know, quite frankly, when you're on this committee, our we're representing our country and our Congress to other foreign governments. And to have someone on this committee that says those things, plus the fact that she diminished 9-11, the worst terrorist attack on our soil as some people who, who did something, that to me as a New Yorker who represents a district who lost uh, most lives on 9-11 is very disheartening and it makes me angry. And so I believe that she can be on any other committee, right, but she can't be on the Foreign Affairs Committee so, representing our nation to other countries. That is, is where it's at. I thought she answered that question remarkably well. Never mind just her straight anti-Semitism. By the way, you want to hear Trump's line? Uh, uh, Kylan uh, found it. Go ahead, play it. The problem in Venezuela is not that socialism has been poorly implemented, but that socialism has been faithfully implemented. Tell me that is not a freaking knockout. Say what you will about Trump on a hundred different things. He should have gotten more credit for that line. It was perfect, and he waited. He waited like like that. Come on. That is that is on stage precision to wait for that? To wait for that audience reaction? That's something else. Um, Representative Maliotaka should get credit for what she's done here. She should get credit for what she's done here. Now, we've heard the screaming and the yelling and the caterwauling from the political left over Omar being removed. I mean, dear Lord, Rashida Tlaib. Desperation so desperate to distract the American people from their total inability to govern. The GOP is now doing what it is best at, weaponizing hate against a black, beautiful Muslim woman. Congresswoman Omar's lived experience as a refugee and a child of survivor of war should be welcomed on this committee. It is needed. When you can't pass any bills that actually improve the people's lives, they turn to Congress, they turn Congress into a place of fear-mongering hate. It is so painful to watch. How ironic that the so-called lovers of personal freedom are now moving to censor Congresswoman Omar in the same week they introduced a bill to ban federal employees from engaging in censorship. Where are the free speech warriors today? The hypocrisy is obvious to the American people. You are showing who you all are, really. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Will not be silenced. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar, I am so sorry that our country is failing you today through this chamber. You belong to the gentlewoman is no longer recognized. She's uh, she's clearly very, very angry. What's important here, never mind how nonsensical Representative Tlaib uh, is being here, and I've already broken down uh, what she has done in her fear-mongering and her hate when she moves to wipe Israel off the map, is that you should not be moved 
by the screaming, by the tears, by the emotion. You should ask yourself what happened here and then discuss whether you agree or or disagree with the move. Representative Ilhan Omar is not being targeted because she's a Muslim. That is a lie. The people who push that are liars. Representative Rashida Tlaib is lying. Representative Cory Bush lied. Representative Ocasio-Cortez lied. Representative Ayanna Presley lied. Representative Jamal Bowman lied. Representative Gregory Meeks lied. Representative Eric Swalwell lied. They all lied. Wouldn't matter to me what progressive comes at me and says it's because she's a Muslim. It's a lie. It is about what she has said and done. And it didn't get her kicked off all committees, just one. People want the emotion to be the thing that matters. Oh, look how upset. Oh, we we can't do this. Look how upset. I don't give a damn how upset Rashida Tlaib is. I make it a policy not to care whether anti-Semites are unhappy. I would personally rather they weren't anti-Semites. But, you know, people going to do what they do. That, that's not me. I'm just quoting Nancy Pelosi. They want you to play in the emotional game. No. I don't want to play in the emotional game. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be in the logic game, the rational game, the reasonable game. I want to actually discuss issues and come to conclusions. If anything, I just want to engage a little bit of clarity so we all know what the hell it is we're talking about. Not Representative Rashida Tlaib, not Representative Cori Bush. By the way, Cori Bush decided that we're all white supremacists. And she she just called half the members of Congress white supremacists. And for that, I believe she should be taken off her committees. Her, I would take her off all of them. Why not? All right, you want to pick one that's, you calling people white supremacist. Is there is there something worse than calling somebody a racist? Calling somebody a white supremacist? I mean, that's pretty nasty stuff. Don't you think there should be a response? I mean, if we are going to engage uh, emotionally, name-calling isn't acceptable. Name-calling is violence. Wait, isn't that how we do this? I don't believe you should just sit there and take it. And I believe that there are some members of Congress who should tell Cori Bush exactly what she can do with her claims and her screaming. But they want you to play in the emotional game. Don't. Representative Omar is dealing with the consequences of her actions to which she has taken no responsibility. She goes on CNN and says she didn't know that there were tropes about Jews and money. You mean she didn't learn about that the first time she did it, nor the second time, nor the third? She didn't know? Not the first time, not the second time, not the third time. Okay. You question uh, via your commentary about comparing uh, the U.S. and Israel to terrorist organizations, the very existence of, of, of nations? I thought that was stuff, uh, save for the Ayatollah Khomeini. But I guess, I guess I was wrong. You spoke this way. You said these things. You believe these things. You're not on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Who knows? Maybe next term you will be. 
Because I, I assume you'll get reelected because, I don't know, some people are slow learners. But I assume you're going to be reelected. Maybe you'll be back then. Take your punishment. Oh, and, and be a better person. That would also be great. I'm Tony Katz. Tuesday is gray and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about Jobs you. numbers are nuts. 517,000? The estimate wasn't even 200,000. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's crazy. Right now, the Dow is up 90. NASDAQ is down nine. But the minute it happened, right, the, you, this thing gets announced and the market went. And you're like, why? Why in the world? Well, I'm going to get into that. Uh, Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Uh, join us next to kind of break these things down. Amazon shares are down because they're giving this this downbeat guidance. And that's an interesting conversation piece. It's, it's, it's the idea of we, we, we get this information about jobs and you're like, that's unbelievable. And then you see where businesses are. And so it's this, this, for lack of a better word, contradiction between what your head is, is knows and what your eyes are telling you. You, you, you check out where the market, or not the market, sorry, you check out where the jobs report is, you're like, that's amazing. And then you see things with your eyes, you're like, wait a second. Super, super, super confusing stuff. So this idea of guidance, uh, get into that with uh, Dr. Matt Will as, as well. So it's, um, it's really something. And by the way, you want to talk about making news in Indiana? Uh, I wasn't expecting this. There was a whole conversation about Representative Victoria Sparks, who's been a lot in the news. Uh, she represents the 5th District of Indiana. That's where I live. And there was a question about whether or not she's going to run for the Senate. Question about whether or not she's going to run for the Senate. Oh, no, she's not. She's not going to run for the U.S. Senate because she's not going to run for anything. There is a statement out. Does this actually come from her? It's been my honor representing Hoosiers in the Indiana State Senate and U.S. Congress, and I appreciate the strong support on the ground. 2024 will mark seven years of holding elected office and over a decade in Republican politics. I won a lot of tough battles for the people and will work hard to win a few more in the next two years. However, being a working mom is tough, and I need to spend more time with my two high school girls back home. So I will not run for any office in 2024. Wow. Today is the day of hits. Dr. Matt Will, economist, joins us next to explain these jobs numbers. This is Tony Katz today. And even as the job market reaches historic highs, inflation continues to come down. Inflation has now fallen for six straight months. Gas prices are down more than a dollar fifty a gallon since their peak. Food inflation is falling as well. And as inflation is coming down, take-home pay for workers is going up. Real wages are up. Wages for lower-income, middle-income workers have gone up even more. A couple, a couple of that with a 2.9% economic growth last quarter. And here's where we stand. 
the strongest job growth in history, the lowest unemployment rate in 54 years, manufacturing rebounding at a faster rate than in the last 40 years, inflation coming down, real races, real wages going up, but moderately going up, not going through the roof, the economy growing at a solid clip. Put simply, I would argue the Biden economic plan is working. He's crowing. He is absolutely crowing, and it's not like he can't. I got to tell you, I saw the numbers today. I was confused, uh, the likes of which it's hard to understand. Payrolls up in terms of jobs, 517,000 jobs. The expectation was 187,000 jobs. You mean expectations were off by 330,000 jobs, the unemployment rate at 3.4%, although that number not as important as labor force participation rate. What in the world are we actually looking at here? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I caught him in his car because I looked at at these numbers and I'm still trying to make sense of the report. What the hell just happened here, sir? (laughs) <laughs> Tony, I can't Biden does a very good job at reading the script that's put in front of him and how he does it with the, I, I guess he does it with a straight face because he doesn't know what he's talking about um, first of all, this report is very good for Biden and it's very good for the headlines but this is bad slash good for the economy as a whole and you notice the market, Tony, as soon as this, uh, this report came out, the market tanked It did. It was the weirdest thing in the world. The market went down. It was up in the, in, in the futures and boom, right into the negatives. Yeah, because the market knows the truth. The market, the truth is this. The Federal Reserve Board, which we've been talking about forever, they have two mandates. We know about low inflation and people don't realize also full employment. So that's part of Jerome Powell's job, full employment and low inflation. Well, what's happened is this report says, hey, 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 Jerome, employment's looking good. Keep fighting inflation. So the market said, oh, darn it, inflation. So he's going to keep increasing rates to get inflation under control. Now, all these good things that Biden's talking about, we could talk about that if you want, but it's just he created such a bad situation. It's not as bad as it was. So he's bragging about the improvement. Tony, it's still bad. We're still 5 million jobs short of where we're supposed to be. Now let's take a step back because you said two things and let's go through them. You see the amount of jobs and that shows rapid growth and that says to the market that Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve, he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve, is going to do more to curb inflation, which means further increases in the interest rate. But the other side of it is you see wage growth slowing and that's a good thing for employers and you might see uh, more employment. It's easier to hire people. This is better. These are... It's weird to see these two things in polar opposite, isn't it? Or is or is that a standard? No, that's that's normal, Tony. That's normal, and you explained it perfectly. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. The wages are dropping, and I mean, he says they're going up, and but he said, notice I did said not through the roof. Okay, so he did temper himself a little bit. So wages are starting to slow in their growth, and so it's easier to hire people. The labor market's getting tighter. You can. It's a little bit easier to hire people. And so the market's saying, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, recession coming. People are looking for jobs. And so, you know, it's a double-headed coin, Tony. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University 
of Indianapolis. And just that thing, the market reacted to this by saying people are getting more jobs. This is way bigger than we anticipated. They're expecting something bad uh, to happen. More jobs is, is an indicator of bad things coming. That's weird to people. It is, Tony, because if we were in a booming economy and you had more jobs, that's a good sign. But we're in a stagnant, we just came out of a small recession economy. That's bad. That means, okay, people are more desperate. They're going out and getting jobs now. That's a good thing for them, but it's easier to hire. So, Tony, think of it as the Great Depression. In the Great Depression, you know, you have 30% unemployment. It's easy to hire people, isn't it? When there's 30% unemployment, well, guess what, Tony? It just became easier to hire people. So that's an indicator of a possible recession on the horizon. Now let's take a look at that as we talk about the hiring. We see the unemployment rate at 3.4%, but we take a look at that what I ref- what I'm talking about, not that what I refer to what it is, the labor force participation rate. It's 62.4% and 60.2%, which is the employment population ratio, that's unchanged. What do those numbers tell you? Yeah, Tony, it tells me people are not coming back into the workforce fast enough. They're coming in a little bit because, think about it, it's a a numerator-denominator. Go back to middle school math, okay? More people are employed, a lot more than we thought, but also there's more people entering the workforce. So those are two good things. But, Tony, they're not coming back fast enough. We still have a 5 million labor shortage. And this is what I get mad at when I hear Biden talking about the greatness in the labor market. He needs to recover 5 million jobs, then he can start bragging. There's 5 million jobs that are not there that disappeared during the pandemic and they've not come back. And we all know that the the businesses still need workers. Which gets more confusing because you just saw 330,000 more jobs than expected enter the workforce. Is it the wrong kind of jobs? Well, there is a dislocation, Tony. That's a very good point. There is a dislocation. We saw a number of service workers expanding. You said this the other day, Tony. You go to the restaurant, you can't get a table. You go to the airport, it's crowded. The hotels are starting to be booked. There is pent-up demand. We're still feeling the effects of this craziness from the pandemic. So you are correct. There is a mismatch in labor. We still have a shortage in engineers, analytics, accounting. Oh, my gosh, accountants. We can't get enough accountants. You want job security in your life, people? Go get a CPA. Now, let me uh, share with you something else Joe Biden said, the president, about the state of the economy. There's uh, some good news. Before I head to Philadelphia, I wanted to say a few words about what I think is strikingly good news that we just received. Next week, I'll be reporting on the State of the Union. But today, today I'm happy to report that the State of the Union and the state of our economy is strong. Is that what this report tells you, Dr. Will, that the state of our economy is strong? No, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have to say no quickly because that's absolutely false. This report says that we're trying to, we're getting a looser labor market. That's good, a looser labor market. But the reason for it is because the recession indicators are higher. Tony, the market went down. Interest rates went up exactly when this was announced. So the, apparently everyone in the world who trades stocks thinks it's not a good indicator. And Tony, this is what frustrates me. It really does. Politics versus reality. The president's running for reelection. 
He's going to try to take victory laps. He's going to tell, try to tell you the sky is not blue. Don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your ears. It, it's, it's just spin, and it frustrates me because we need to deal with our problems in reality. He doesn't want to give us reality. Well, along with that, this was Maria Bartiromo, who's I think has got a real brain uh, over there at Fox Business. This is how she described it this morning. Yeah, it's uh, much better than expected, and uh, this certainly has sparked a sell-off in stocks, uh, as perhaps markets look at this as uh, less reason uh, for the Federal Reserve to be cutting interest rates second half of the year, which most people don't believe anyway. But Charles, give us your assessment of this report. Unemployment rate lowest since 1969. Yeah, you know... the initial jerk, knee-jerk reaction, though, we were a lot lower, so, uh, and I hear, heard Cheryl mention something about people returning from a strike. What, what, what stands out to me, and the one of the things I'm always uh, uh, pressing on, is participation looks a lot better, participation rate, that's uh, very, very important. You know, again, the, the leisure jobs, we knew were going to be up there, we knew we were going to be pretty high. The retail jobs, uh, I'm kind of concerned, I'm still concerned about the transition to maybe higher-paying jobs for people with low skills. Uh, when this is this is Charles Payne, this is Maria Bartiromo, people I have on the show, people I like, they don't have the doom and gloom feel uh, as they're reporting on this today that you do. So I'm no, going to no, now turn this back to you. Uh, no. is, are you not no, seeing I, this right? I disagree. They said exactly the same thing I just said. They said exactly the same thing. Maria started off her comments, and if you play just play just the clip she played of her, she said we now have less likelihood of a rate cut in the second half of the year. That's right. She said it differently. I said we will continue to have rate increases. She said we're less likely to have a rate cut. No, she said the exact same thing, Tony. So now we, so you see that as the same. I, I kind of took it as they were trying to paint a rosier picture of, of, of the thing. Now, uh, it could be that I, I've got this small segment. If I listen to it in full, I, w- I would get more of, of your conversations in here. But one of the things that you're pointing out, if I listen to you properly, is that the recession indicator is still there. That, that this report, while it shows a tremendous amount of job growth, while it shows, uh, you discuss uh, the, the wages going up, even though they're going up slower, making it easier to hire that the possibility of everything being into the recession, having the negative GDP growth for two quarters, et cetera, is real and, and it's connected, that, that this is all uh, there and that there's, there's no need to celebrate because there's nothing yet to celebrate. What numbers are you looking for in order to say, hey, we finally have something to celebrate? Tony, I, I think that that's a tough question to answer. What do we want to see? Well, I'll tell you what. I want to see I mean, the I'll, stock market up. Uh, allow allow me really quick. Allow up. me really quick. Hold on. Just to give you an, an interrupt, to say it this way. We put on 330,000 more jobs than we thought we would, and that's not a reason to celebrate. Now, that's confusing to people. So what well, is a reason? At the beginning, I said this report is good and bad, and I stand by that. Those additional jobs are good, but they're not good for the right reason. Good for the right reason, Tony, would be that we have a huge need for jobs because the economy is growing rapidly. The economy is not growing rapidly. And we have an expansion of jobs because people are more in need of jobs. 
I don't, you know, I, I'm sorry if I'm if I'm confusing. That's a that's a problem with being a professor. It can get confusing. There's three sides to every coin, or four, not just two. But you got to go back to what Maria said. She said it right. She said this is less likely now because of the job growth. It's less likely that we are going to see rate cuts next year. Tony, she said we're going to have rate increases. That's what I said. We're going to have rate increases next year. We're going to continue this year. We're going to continue to have rate increases. Rates go up, prices go down. That's simple math. Rates go up, market prices go down. The market predicts the future. The market is down. I'll say it again. The market predicts the future, and the market is down. So what, to you, is an indicator of that? That's good news. Okay, that's good news. When the market goes up, when... Amazon starts hiring again, when Microsoft starts hiring again, when they increase their guidance on profits. Tony, all these companies decrease their guidance on profits. All these companies report lower profits. All these companies are laying people off. They're talking about the future, and they're telling us their future looks bad. I want them to tell me their future looks bright, and they're not saying that. Meta came out when, when Mark Zuckerberg was speaking about their earnings report this week. He was solemn. He was serious. He didn't talk about the metaverse. He focused in on the number of people that are buying ads is down. But this is our projection for the next year. I want to hear Wall Street. I want to hear the people who are making the profits tell me they're making more profits. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today in the car. And uh, keep, keep it in between the lines, sir, if you would, please. We'd all appreciate it. Dr. Matt Will, thank you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So the Pentagon is now talking about these balloons. We're talking about Chinese spy balloons. I think the plan is to let this thing actually fly across the country. Are we all... Does this make any sense to anyone? Anywhere? According to the Pentagon, um, uh, there's a... It's no big deal. In regards to our announcement last night regarding the high-altitude surveillance balloon... I'm not going to have much new information to provide other than to say that the North American Aerospace Defense Command continues to monitor it closely. While we won't get into specifics in regards to the exact location, I can tell you that the balloon continues to move eastward and is currently over the center of the continental United States. Again, we currently assess that the balloon does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground at this time and will continue to review, or excuse me, continue to monitor and review options. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. It's a Chinese spy balloon. There's something to see here. And oh, by the way, Pentagon spokesman, now that you let us know where it is and how it's flying, have you have you asked yourself how you're going to stop people from trying to shoot at it? Oh, my advice, if, if you're in the path of the balloon, stay indoors this weekend. Perhaps... In the basement. And when asked, um, well, can you tell us specifically uh, where it is or or, or what's going on? Is the the position of the balloon classified? Uh, Phil, right now, uh, what we're not going to do is get into a hour-by-hour location of the balloon. Again, we're monitoring it closely. 
Uh, As I mentioned right now, it's over the center of the continental United States. That's about as specific as I'm going to get. But I understand I'm being convenient, but does the public not have a right to know? If the, uh, the public is over certainly their state? has the ability to look up in the sky and, and see where the balloon is. I'm sorry. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. And I'm telling you not to do it. I'm telling you, you can get somebody hurt or killed. Don't you dare do it. People are going to shoot at this balloon. There's going to be telescopes. There's going to be all right other viewing equipment. There's going to be sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of upward target practice. Do not do it. Someone's going to get killed. They're going to track this thing like your Helen Hunt and Twister. And can we give it up for Bill Paxton? Gone too soon. Gone too soon. Seriously. Great actor. Oh, staying indoors. I'm staying under the bed. Under two of them. Find it all. TonyCats.locals.com. Appreciate it if you would. This is Tony Katz today.